Welcome to a very special episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. We have been over the last few weeks talking to a a wide range of people across Fiji from pastors to business people to sex workers to ex-sex workers to women with stories and today I have another extra special guest and her name is Edwina. I've only met her today. We're in Latoka. So welcome Edwina. Oh welcome, welcome. Nice to have you. And we've just been out to see an amazing property that you run. Uh, as kind of a shelter for people who um, need, who are escaping abuse, abusive relationships, who are homeless, off the streets. And we're going to talk more about that. But I've loved spending the last few hours with you and hearing your story. Everyone has a story and stories are powerful. And you yourself spent many years on the streets as a sex worker running brothels. So we've just had an amazing lunch hearing so much. Um, I'm learning a lot. But where did your story all start for you? Okay. Well, it was started when I was 13 years old. I ran out from home because I was living with my step-parents. And uh, I've had uh, physical, verbally abused. Then I end up on the street. So I end up the street of Suva. That's one of the biggest cities in Fiji. Without even knowing that city. It is the first time for me. And a a 13-year-old person trying to survive. That's uh, amazing. You, you say it like, <laughs> it's just um, talking about the weather. But you were adopted, so your mum had you as a single mother, adopted you out to an auntie. And, um, but life at home was, I mean, you're talking about how you were treated like a slave, having to um, do a lot of the work. and It was abusive. So how does a 13-year-old get the courage just to get your stuff together and run to the streets? Well... You know, as a 13-year-old person, um, I have that courage. It's just built inside me just to move out because it was too much for a, a, a small person like me doing so much for a family. That is just make me one day I just have to, to run out and just to find myself out there no matter what the risk and what I'm going to face out there in the city so I just take a risk and and go and and I when I'm in Suva I see all these street kids too and you always think well where are their parents but hearing your story they don't want to be with whether it's a, a family member or an uncle and auntie because the freedom of the streets is more safer than being at home and and the abuse that you received there. So when you went to the streets, where did you sleep? What what happened? Who did you find? First, I have to make friends to people that is already in the street, young girls that was already there. So they will introduce me to how the streets life like, where to sleep, how to survive and that's how I I become a person 
living on the street because I learn from others as peers that is on the street already. So it's quite a community. The older ones bring in the younger ones. And at what age did you begin working as a sex worker? And how did that begin? Uh, through my 16, 17, I started to learn how to, to make money through sex because I was introduced how to make money through sex because uh, I am a trans. So I have sex with men that, that can pay me. So that's how my sex life begins. And that's how I learn and become more responsible how to look after my own self on the street. And so how would clients, you'd just stand out, because I see them all out there on the streets every weekend, you'd, you'd just be one of those ones standing out in the street waiting for someone to drive by in their car and you'd hop in the car, or how did it work for you? Yeah, first I started from the street, waiting for cars to come by and pick us up. And then after that, I start operating the nightclubs, picking up clients from the bar to the hotel, to the motel, into the car. And that's how it begins, from the street to the bar, then to the motel. That's where we operate. Wow. Um, so you kind of worked your way up. Was there any point where you felt like you were in danger? Your life was at risk? Danger is always be there all the time. Because when you do something wrong, or when you get into a wrong person or a wrong client, you'll get bashed up or you'll get pushed out of the car or you'll be bashed up in the hotel or in an empty place if they don't want to pay you or if you demand more or if you try to take more out of the clients the danger is everywhere even I got involved in so many so many danger parts in the in the on the street where I got chopped by the knife, where I got stabbed and I got into a car accident and then I, there's so many sorts of danger. You have to be smart when you be on the street. That's something I've learned. You need to, to be with the right mindset. You need to be sober. You need to be alert. You need to be aware of the danger of the street. That's why I always call the street. Sometimes it's like an Amazon where you need to be very, very smart with all kinds of people that you involve yourself with, especially clients, the, the good ones and the bad ones, and especially some other, like the police and some other strong people that come in your way. You need to be aware of all that. And that's how you take care of yourself from the street. I'm a pastor and uh, I have a big passion to see the church um, 
be part of the answers and be helping the poor and the widows and the orphans and the aliens and the vulnerable, all the people that society discard. Um, I think we've got a long way to go. Um, in all your time as a young street kid, did you ever encounter any Christians that came to help you or um, support you in any way or were you just left to your own devices? Um, I just knew about uh, the, the church when I was still in my home where I, I was when I was an innocent kid. But on the street, I was left alone. And the only thing that keeps me is sometimes I pray if there is danger. I've, uh, I've heard Christian going past and just throwing out comments and say, Jesus loves you. It's like a, sometimes it's an insult. And sometimes at the same time, it's, it was heartbroken because why we are the only one that's been loved? Why not them? So I, 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 I look at myself as, as, as a bad person. So yes, that's how I see Christian people. They just keep on pointing you of, of the bad behavior or the bad thing that you're doing. They are just given comments and they just said, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. You're going to burn in hell and this and that. But I didn't see the, the love that is going to be, to be done to those people, to those children, to us sex workers that are standing on the street. It's just like a, an insult, the way they threw up their comment. Uh, incredibly insulting and condescending. Um, you know, I think as Christians, let's show them love, not tell them that they're loved. Uh, and in a nation where there's a church in every second corner and every home and village, and yet we're not showing the real love of Jesus in practical ways. So that's, um, that's a real shame and a disappointment and maybe could have changed the course of your life. But um, you've made something powerful out of your life. But before we get to some of the good you've been doing, you did <laughs> run a brothel for many years in Suva. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yes. So I know it's illegal in Fiji to run a brothel. But yes, I did. I did have a, 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 a house that I um, incorporated with like selling sex where man comes in and buys sex and we call it the brothel because we are having sex. It's including sex. So yes, I did have one in Suva, one in bar. So that's, that's how we work. You know, it's, 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 it's not about having sex. It's about people that comes in with different circumstances. Some men that comes in, they need counseling, that need uh, advice from their wife or their partners, how to have sex, how to be, to be a good sex, how to have a good fun, how 
to keep their marriage. So it's it's not all about sex. It's all about counseling and and helping people that are in need, especially with their sexual part and their family life. That's how they end up into a brothel. That's how men end up into the street because they need to be loved. They need to be satisfied. Yeah, I find it again, um, of course, and we get those stories even in Australia. Sometimes I think essentially, again, the brothel was doing the work of the church where um, we don't talk about these issues. Uh, We don't talk about sex and how to have healthy relationships, healthy marriages, healthy sexuality, how to talk with your spouse through these things because of the shame and the taboo. And so, yeah, they'll come to a brothel (laughs) to find that. what type of clients did you see at your brothel? Oh, well, I can say in every every works of lives that need satisfaction, that needs to be loved, they all end up to the brothel, including pastors. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're still human beings. We need to be loved. We need to be satisfied. Well, if you don't know the love of Jesus, unfortunately, you go looking, don't you? Um, Yeah. Um, Anyway, let's fast forward. Um, you, You said to me before in the car that you've always had a dream to be a nurse, and you did go and I mean because you dropped out of school at 13 so later on in life you went back you finished you got an education and then you started working in an old age home so you did fulfill that desire but I as you're talking I realized you've got a huge heart of compassion uh, that's always driven you and so you've had a dream that you have established tell us about what you're doing now okay now I'm running a home as a as I call the Ndaulomani safe home, it's like a safe space. It's a shelter. It's a halfway home that we look after men, women, children, the LGBTQI, and the street dwellers in different forms. People that, that are in need, that face domestic violence, women that face domestic violence, and people that have been abandoned from their own homes and community. So that's how we name that safe space, the Ndaulomani. I will interpret it, it called my loved or beloved. That's how the, the space called. And now sometimes you will house up to um, 70 people, men, women, children, um, LGBT. But how many did you start with? At first, we start with three. Then words go around on the street that that now we're looking after more more than two hundred to three hundred people that comes into the shelter. Sometimes we have seventy plus people. Now we have thirty plus. So people, so it's the the numbers is keep keep on fluctuate up and down 
Some people they come for a night, some people they come for a week, and some people they come for a year. It's it's how they recovered. You don't pay anything. It's 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 a free space that you just walk in. We supply your the food. We su- supply um, clothes. And we supply space for you. And we need you to be recovered and then you can feed back to your own community. So powerful. So I love that you started with three people in a tent and then you went and sourced um, some more resources and I think someone from overseas helped fund a, uh, a bit more of an iron home with the Good Foundation and now you've got a number of those and your gardens and... Um, everything is on there, which is just amazing. What's your vision for the future? My vision for the future is to extend my shelter around the Pacific and around the region, just to accommodate those I need. There's those that need that piece of love that we need to share out there. There is... Um I asked you, as I'm always intrigued, um, how is the church helping? <laughs> and be honest and tell me your answer. Oh, the church. I think the church needs help. First, they will need help. So it will help us. Yeah, and I was so intrigued by that. Tell me more. What, what does the church need help with? They will have to have an understanding of the need out there. They need to have that spiritual eyes to see the real need out there. They need to open their spiritual ears to hear the crying out there for hope. Because if we will be in religions and we are praying, and stay in a comfort place. How about the people out there? Then you need. They need shelter. They need to be to be counselled. They need to, to be taken care of. What are the churches doing now? We are building big, big churches. We are having so many congregations. But how about all the people that are left behind? No one is supposed to be left out there. No one has to be left behind. We need everyone in unity and in peace. Thank you. Yes, that's profound. Um, you know, I spend a lot of my life travelling to other cities and speaking and challenging the church to move into the community. And, and they ask, well, how? And I just tell them, go on a listening tour. Go out into the streets. Go... Like we've come today to listen to you, your story, what you've done, and that's where you learn. That's where it is opening our spiritual ears to the cry. And there's a huge cry across Fiji, from the street kids to the sex workers to even the rich people who are visiting the brothels because there's a cry to be loved, isn't there? And sometimes the church is too busy singing, we can't hear the cry. So thank you for hearing the cry. Um, And you've given up your your life to help these people now um, day in day out and it's hard 
It's a sacrifice, but Edwina, thank you for what you're doing. And I pray that if there are churches listening to this, um, that they will want to help. And you do have, you said you've got a great pastor who comes in every Sunday and you do church under the mango tree. You've got a beautiful big mango tree on your property. What does that mean to the community to have this pastor come in? I think he is giving his time and his family to come out and listen to the crying and to the hopes out there and giving up that spiritual mentoring, especially for the street dwellers. You know, uh, I am so, we are so blessed to have someone like him continuously coming to visit us. You know, one saying it says, like, the thought that counts. So I'm so grateful. Thank God for his life and his family. So this is the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific, and I hope we've been disrupted today by Edwina's story, uh, by her challenge to the church. Uh, Again, I think we can look at those on the streets or the sex workers and judge them without actually knowing that there was a story. There's been pain in your life. There was, um, you know, growing up as a child, no child should ever be in an abusive home. Uh, You've had to run away. You've had to fight for yourself, uh, fight for life. Um, And so thank you. Um, Keep going. And I just want to say one last thing on your behalf because as we were walking through your beautiful property today you've got a huge tank a huge water tank sitting there but it's not being used because it needs a foundation and it needs to be hooked up to a pump which could cost several thousand dollars so you said oh you don't like to ask so I'm asking on behalf of Edwina if there's anyone out there who wants to donate to have the foundation built and this big tank hooked up so they can have running water uh, and good healthy drinking water otherwise the kids go to the wells which quite often the water is contaminated and causes disease so that's something practical if you're listening contact me and I can put you in touch with Edwina uh, thank you so much for your time keep up your great work and God bless Easily, I see your suffering I see the pain beneath that smile come out from hiding the sun is rising let the islands hear reason lay cry